You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Zolgad colon. That's how it starts. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Second with down at 12 for protection. And there is Thielen. He is into the end zone. A touchdown right from the get-go. Second down and 10. And this is the third big carry of the game. And this one in the end zone for Dalvin Cook. My, oh my. There it is indeed. Cousins over the top for the rushing touchdown. And the Minnesota Vikings in the first half have rushed for over 120 yards. I mean, I think when I look at this, the job of the offense is to move the ball efficiently. When I look at this offense, I think Mark Rippon, I think Trent Dilfer. You have to run the ball. You have to play good, solid defense. You can't throw it around every second and try and move the ball. Your job is to score points and move it efficiently. So I love the way that we look today. I love the way that we took care of the football. I want to hang up and listen. I want to say, Skull Vikings, let's go. <laughs> Mark... Mark Rippon and Trent Dilfer. Ventline was on fire yesterday. And he's so optimistic points. when he says those names, too. That's impressive. <laughs> uh, Rami Makloff is uh, out in Milwaukee after a weekend uh, home in, in your homeland of enemy territory. And it was a buzzer beater. Those, those Packers gremlins were not letting you even connect to our studio until like three minutes ago. Yeah, we got in just under the gun, guys. But here I am. How do I sound? Sounding good? Uh, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, not my no. voice. Not, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I mean the connection. Is it good? It's fantastic. It's never Good. been better. Great. The well, gremlins awesome. have been expelled. Clearly, we'll Great. find out how your how your takes sound here throughout the uh, the show. Oh, they're going to be fire, guys! I yeah. spit hot takes. That's what I do weekdays, four to six. So let me ask you guys this to start the show here. And there's, by the way, there are so many things to talk about off this weekend. There's so many twins things to talk about. I don't know what the you, wheels coming off the about. Bamba bus. Uh, the Gophers uh, out in, on the West Coast late night overtime win, but on this Vikings win. I don't think we talked a whole lot about what we expected to happen in this Falcons game. I think we all lean toward victory, but where on your list of expected outcomes would you guys have put a complete dismantling of the Atlanta Falcons? I mean, that score is not indicative of how lopsided that game was. No, it was it was ridiculous, and I don't know. I, again, it's week one, so you always have these questions. I don't know how much of that was the Vikings defense, which is a very good defense. Obviously, we know that from past years. But guys, Matt Ryan looked terrible, looked awful. He couldn't throw a ball away correctly. What what was he doing on that interception in the back of the end zone? And again, I'm not taking credit away from the Vikings defense. It's game one, and it's hard to tell how much of it was how good the Vikings defense was. But the Falcons just looked bad, especially on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, Dan Quinn, see ya. It's about Four weeks of Dan Quinn, right? You're done. You're you're firing him already. They weren't prepared at all. But but you know what? It's impressive still because the the thing is the Vikings came out and from the first play when Barr sacked Ryan, basically untouched. 
to the block punt. Yep. So I, I'm weighing this because on one hand, you're watching that game and you're like, the Falcons are, are acting like this is week 13 and they have no interest in being here. But on the other hand, the Vikings defense was fantastic. The offense, I know that the blueprint is going to change a little bit for how, how much they pass the ball because you are not going to have Kirk Cousins passing the ball 10 times per game. But the blueprint was absolutely perfect. If if you could have gone to Zim the day that Zim fired a flip last year and said, Mike, I want you to give me your dream game. I want you to talk. Mike, talk <laughs> yes, to me. Yes. Talk to me. You're upset right now. Mike, talk to me. I want you to give me... what." When you have a dream at night and you're smiling through that dream, perhaps there's a glass of red wine by you and you're thinking about what's the ideal game, Mike? Like, not the ideal 2019, not Rams Chiefs, because we know you hated that. What do you think? Football. It's yesterday, you guys. Yeah. It's yesterday. Yeah. Ten passes from your quarterback, a great run game. In fact, I almost A felt, defensive masterpiece. I mean, I almost felt like... Mike Zimmer drew up the script, submitted it to the NFL, and the NFL approved it. Because, <laughs> because think about the opening of the movie yesterday. The, open, the, the biggest question all offseason, the drama between Anthony Barr and the Jets and the Vikings, and, and, and he winds up choosing the Vikings for less money. And I know that we've had a bunch of conversations on these airwaves on Purple Daily, and it's, hey, that's great. Bring back a ferocious, machine-like defensive player in his prime for a lot of money, but you better use him differently, right? You better make sure that he's getting after quarterbacks if you're going to spend that kind of money yep. on a linebacker. First play of the season, Anthony Barr off the edge destroys Matt Ryan, and I couldn't tell if it was Mike Zimmer showing off his ability to adjust as a defensive mind or if it was him just showing off the shiny fourteen plus million dollar toy that he resigned, and the guy that he vouched to be drafted number nine overall when most draft experts had him going late in the first. It was like Mike Zimmer said, "I'm going to start the season by showing off that I was right about Anthony Barr." I didn't see any breakdowns of how, how much he blitzed compared to past years, and obviously didn't watch every single snap of, of Vikings football like you guys have for for many a year. Did he was he blitzing more often than he has in the past in Mike Zimmer's defense, or was it just that he was getting home more often and having more of an impact on the game because block him? Oh, see, look at that. the, the Gremlins! Oh, see, see you're gremlins. To, you knew this would happen. The Packers Gremlins. It was all well and good until you started to praise the Vikings, yeah. and then the Green Bay people jumped. Mark Murphy, right right now, is outside sawing away at the connection. So uh, we we did catch your question, and I, I I was listening to Purple Daily earlier, and I believe nine times is the number. Yeah, that... actually, Collard just texted me. He said nine rushes total. He wasn't rushing more often, just successful with four pressures. Yeah. So um, to, to start the game off with your shiny toy that you resign. And then, like Judd's saying, you fired John Filippo because he didn't run the ball enough. I mean, the Vikings had franchise historically low rushing numbers last year, and that's a big part of the reason why John Filippo was fired. He was too pass-happy. Well, how do, you, how do you combat that? I don't know. Hand the ball off 38 times for 172 yards in your first game. Now, to the we, we played one of those uh, caller highlights off the top of the show from Vikings Ventline, which, by the way, is now a six-day-a-week show. As of today, you can find Vikings Ventline... 10 o'clock on Mondays and 11 o'clock a.m. Tuesday through Friday, as well as the usual post-game edition of VentLine, podcastable anywhere you find podcasts. I'm not going to go as far as the caller said, which is, hey, Kirk Cousins is the Trent Dilfer of game managers. 
Now, if you can construct the blueprint for this team, if you can construct it in a way where defense and running game are the are, are the the leading uh, hammers for your for your offense, you can also then lean on a guy who's better than just a game manager, a guy who at times like last year in Green Bay, I know they tied the game twenty nine twenty nine, but Kirk Cousins threw for like three fifty or four hundred yeah, and a I, bunch of touchdowns. I don't want that though. Not every day. Not every day. You don't want that? I don't or want, Mike Zimmer doesn't want that? I No, I think he's more than a game manager is what I'm saying. I, but if you treat him like a game manager and you know, lower your expectations yes, I agree and be surprised. That. Yes. And, and here's what I want. I want Kirk to execute Kubiak's vision of this offense, which I think is going to be on point here. And, and it's almost like... Uh, Filippo got here last year and said, one, I'm trying to, you know, I'd like to become a head coach in 2019 if possible, right? He also said, and look at the shiny new toy quarterback you guys just signed. Kirk Cousins isn't that. Kirk Cousins, I think, can be a very effective player if he is put in the proper position to succeed. And that is not saying, Kirk, you are our quarterback and we're paying you a ton. And so I want you to sort of be a combination of Brady and Rodgers. And he can't do that. Ten throws is is off the charts. Probably too few. Completely get that. Not for yesterday, but for the season. But let me get, let me give you guys two Dalvin Cook stats from yesterday that absolutely blew me away. As far as far as being the indictment of how the Vikings did their business offensively last year. Number one, Cook played in eleven games last year. He missed five with a hamstring problem. So there were some problems there. So there were games probably in which he, he was slowed, but not all 11 games, right? At halftime of yesterday's game, Dalvin Cook had more rushing yards than he did in eight of the 11 games in which he played all last year. The second thing, touchdowns. Dalvin Cook ran for as many touchdowns on Sunday afternoon as he rushed for in the entire 2018 season. Yeah. Just think about that. Yeah. So it's not just a Cousins thing. The conversation here is if Dalvin Cook can stay on the field for 16 games. This is a star potential type player. And last year he played in 11 games, and and I believe the only game in which he, he looked like a star was the Dolphins game. And besides that, you watched him yesterday and said, uh-huh, this is, this is it. And that's I think that's the one thing that we all didn't get about last year, which was, where is this? Kirk Cousins can be a very important part of what you're going to do. But if you rely on Kirk, and at the end of the year, guys, the stats might be good. But guess what? If we get to the end of 2019 and Kirk Cousins' stats are similar to what they were in 2018, that's not good for this team. As far as wins and losses go, Cousins needs to be efficient and do his job. But this thing, if there was a Vikings marquee, come see the Minnesota Vikings tonight. And that marquee had a name up there offensively. I think it's Dalvin Cook. Yeah, uh, are you I mean, saying do less? You ask Kirk Cousins to do less? Absolutely, do less. Absolutely, don't want do you, him but, doing. Do you disagree? Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't entirely disagree. Are we just talking from a pure uh, statistical standpoint? Are you saying that if he has if he has to throw the ball as much and put up as many yards and touchdowns as he did last year, then the Vikings are in trouble? Let me let me because I side with Judd on this. Let me frame it up and you tell me what you what you think of of this angle. All right. Mm-hmm. So John D. Filippo as the offensive coordinator, and by extension, let's not exonerate the head coach from last year too. Right, Mike Mike Zimmer was the head coach of the team last year, not just 
the the all time defensive coordinator. He didn't really okay? want that responsibility for offense, though, Phil. And I I feel like they I feel like the team got caught up in the price tag. The team said, "Well, hey, we bought a thing that costs like the top quarterback in the NFL, so therefore we better use that thing like the best quarterback in the NFL." So the first two months of Kirk Cousins last year, he threw the ball thirty six times in Week One, forty eight times in Week Two. 55 times in week three. That was the Buffalo game, and I get it. They fell behind in that game, but was that really a game in which, against a bad team, and you're down early, but like 10 minutes into that game, are you just like, well, I guess we can't run the ball. Like, I guess Kirk Cousins is going to have to throw the ball until he has labrum surgery now. <laughs> uh, 50 throws in week four, 37, 34, 40, and 41 pass attempts. Not until November 4th, week nine of last season. Or, or game nine of last season, did he have a light load game where he went 18 of 22 in a win against the Detroit Lions? He had more pass attempts in the first half of the season than any quarterback in the NFL. And I look at that and I say, this is not to dog on Kirk Cousins, because I think Kirk Cousins is one of the 15 or 16 best quarterbacks in the world, but he's not a guy that should be leading the NFL in pass attempts through the first eight weeks of a season. Agreed. So, I agree with you there, so, but... Yesterday was largely dictated by the game, wasn't it? I don't, I don't know how much of yesterday was the Mike Zimmer doctrine of we're going to run the hell out of the football and how much of it was you were up three touchdowns halfway through the second quarter. And and that's what you do when you're up like that, especially when you have Mike Zimmer as head coach. He's not going to take any chances, and he's, he's going to direct his offensive coordinator not to take any chances when you have a three-touchdown lead halfway through the second quarter. I don't know if yesterday's game plan is – well, it's obviously not what we're going to see – some of it was obviously dictated by the game and by the situation and by the score, but I don't. I wonder how much of that balance we're going to see throughout the rest of the season because not every game is going to be that type of blowout no. where they're up three scores the, midway through the second. Yeah, this was a four to one aggressive ratio. So this is this is a you're not going to see that again. I mean, you're not. When I say light workload for Cousins, I don't mean ten attempts. I think. I think 25 to 30 attempts in games is more real, uh, realistic than 40 or 55 or 50 like you saw in the first half of last year. But one thing I do disagree with you on, Rami, is I think Mike Zimmer fired John Filippo because he was not running the ball enough. And I think one of the emphatic points about bringing Gary Kubiak and, and being able to mold Kevin Stefanski was, hey, we're not going to start the season by just throwing the ball 50 times out of the gate. I think they came in and said... We're going to run the ball down their throats. It's a home game. We have the advantage. Uh, we're going to use a new blocking scheme and Dalvin Cook. And if that doesn't work, maybe we have to revert to the passing game. So part of it was game flow. You took the lead early. But I think I think this was the concerted effort to come in and say, we're going to play defense and run the ball and well, only lean on Kirk Cousins if absolutely needed in week one. I unless, think it was you're, um, unless you're sorry, uh, but unless your defense is going to be that good every week. You're not going to win football games like that week in and week out. You, it's 2019 in the NFL. You're going to have to throw the football. There are going to be weeks where Kirk Cousins is going to have to throw the football between 30 and 40 times. That's just that's just the NFL in 2019, and there's going to be a team that comes out and puts up points on the Vikings, and they're going to have to try and keep up. And if you try and keep up by pounding away with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, you're not going to keep yeah. up. But the, but the beauty of it is, unlike the Trent Dilfer reference off the top of the show, you don't have you don't have like shackled should be a backup quarterback. You have a guy that right. if, no, you, if you have to ask him to throw the ball thirty five or forty times, you're going to win a lot of those games too. He needs to be the, the most important thing I, I think, and the starting point with I agree with 
for that I see from Kubiak is Cousins is going to be an important part of the process, but he's going to be part of the process. Last year it got convoluted, and somehow, some way, they they mistakenly and sort of stupidly went into primetime game saying, "Hey, Kirk, can you do this?" The answer is no, he can't. But if but he's got Thielen, he's got Diggs, he's got Cook, he's got weapons. But the most important thing is, and and Kirk being Kirk referenced a 52-51 game because in his mind he's got to think, but I could do that. I could No, you can't. That's okay. Don't worry about it, buddy. You need to be part of the process. And, Rami, the problem is, to, to your point, is you're not entirely wrong, I don't think, but in Zimmer's mind, this is never based on on his defense being involved in a shootout game. Now, could that happen? Absolutely. But in Mike's perfect world, this whole thing is still based around Defense. We talk about offense a ton, but the reality is in Egan, the thought process starts defensively. And so they do want Kirk and this offense to operate efficiently, but it will always be second to to the fact that in their minds, right or wrong too, in their minds, this starts with our defense should be and can be dominant on a weekly basis. Yeah. I mean, that the, dominant though, that's asking a lot. And and, and uh, I pretty said, dominant, actually. I, I think I their said, mind. I said when this season started, a lot of people talking about Kirk Cousins because he's a quarterback and because he has the paycheck that he has. But if this Vikings team is going to seriously get back in the Super Bowl discussion, it's because the arrows started pointing back the other way on the defense because that is what they're built around. So if what we saw yesterday is any indication that, of, of what the Vikings defense could be this season, Mike Zimmer's formula could work. But I find it hard to believe that that defense is going to look that good and face offenses that look that bad week in and week out in, in the NFL in 2019. You have to throw the ball. We all know that. There are going to be times where you have to throw the ball to win football games, and we'll see if Mike Zimmer, if he, if he bends when the time comes to do that, or if he's still going to insist on balance. Here's what the Vikings are banking on, and you are going to hate this, sir, but it's what they're banking on. They're banking on, in 2019, that they're going to outbear the Bears and that they have a superior quarterback who's still not great. Okay. That's it. All right. I'm dead serious. They they are they are going to the bank saying our defense is going to be n- not not significantly better, but better than Chicago's and our quarterback is not great, but he can beat your Trubisky. That's and, go- that's going and, to be it and if they're wrong, guess what? They're going to be out of the playoffs quickly or not in the postseason at all. Even if they're right, Aaron Rodgers might throw a wrench in that plan. Yeah. Well, that's a great. Actually, that's a fantastic point. Yeah. And 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 you're going to find out, uh, you know, just what kind of wrench Aaron Rodgers can throw this upcoming weekend. And let's let's take a break here. Let's talk more Vikings. I think we can all agree that, you know, regardless of how sustainable the model is, and and we'll find out more about the Falcons. Was that just a blip? That was Mike Zimmer's dream scenario in week one, and that and it's pretty hard to find a better way to uh, deliver a Vikings blueprint in week one. You can find full coverage, audio, written, and video on scorenorth.com. That's S-K-O-R North.com. Our YouTube channel has just been on fire the last couple days with Ventline clips. Uh, I know there's going to be some stuff up from Sage Rosenfels and Matthew Collar on Purple Daily from earlier, so if you're not checking out YouTube, youtube.com slash score north. Uh, gentlemen, more Vikings discussion when we come back here. And later on, the Bomba bus is losing its wheels. Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights. We'll talk to him. And the phone lines are open, 651-646-8255. 
All right, Luther Brookdale Toyota is on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, and it's the best car dealership and service department. Uh, my family and I have uh, been going to this place for over 30 years. You know, I've, I've, I see dozens and dozens of other car dealerships and service departments. I just like, I've never even had the inkling to go somewhere else. When you get the best combination of service, of people, of knowledge, and also durable vehicles, which is what Toyotas are, there's just no reason to go anywhere else. The 2019 RAV4 XLE that I've been driving has been great. Uh, it's more space than I've had in a vehicle before. Kind of looking forward to testing out the four-wheel drive this winter. Last winter was enough for me. I'm like, I need I need some four-wheel drive. I need some safety features. I don't. Uh, I just don't want to go through another winter where it's like 50 below one day and it's blizzard the next day without feeling like I have all the right safety features. So that's what you get with Toyotas and Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Join Dan Terrar and myself this Wednesday night for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and the Houston Dynamo with pregame at 7 and kickoff at 7.30 right here on Score North on AM 1500, Score North mobile app, and the scorenorth.com. Dalvin's a great player. Um, his feet are amazing. Uh, you know, a couple of those plays were designed to go inside, and he just out- outran the perimeter. Um, so uh, he's, he's a terrific weapon for us. You know, and obviously we'll have to continue to use him to to uh, the best of our ability. Dalvin Cook. The end of the end zone. Another touchdown for Cook. His second rushing touchdown of the game, and that'll put him over 100 yards rushing in the game. Yeah, Dalvin Cook. Just a ridiculous opener for the Vikings, who are 1-0 now. Play Green Bay this upcoming week, then Oakland, then Chicago. So you get... Two teams early on here in your division that are going to be uh, fighting with you for that top spot. Rami is out in Milwaukee. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami here on the all-new Score North. And today, we unveiled weekly Vikings vent line every Monday at 10 o'clock and every Tuesday through Friday at 11 o'clock and podcastable anywhere you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, that's with Judd and Danny Cunningham, uh, Manny part of that show as well. And you can find it. Like I said, anywhere you find podcasts in the Scornoth mobile app is a good place to start. So, all right, fight me on this if you disagree, either one of you guys. I think, and this is just, you know, just putting together the last couple of years, but really specifically the eye test yesterday, now that he's healthy and uh, you saw what a good blocking scheme uh, executed well can look like in front of Dalvin Cook. I think the only thing preventing him from being on the level the top-tier level of like what Le'Veon Bell has been the last four or five years, and whoever, there's probably three or four guys in that top, top tier of running backs. I really think the only thing preventing from uh, Dalvin Cook from being on that level is availability. Like, if he plays 15 or 16 games this year, he's on that level going into next year. He's a guy that people are talking about in their fantasy leagues being a top three or four draft pick. I, I legitimately think the Vikings training camp. What, for, in terms of holdout? Yes. Oh. What do you have to buzz kill it? No, I'm not. What are you, what are you I'm doing? not buzz killing it. I'm not doing. I'm not fighting you. Like a classic no, thing. I'm not fighting you. I can't fight you, Rami. I can't fight him. I think Delvin Cook is a oh, phenomenal. Like, your brain just jumps to he's going to hold out. It's a- I might. I play a premium position. I want all my money now, Rami. I can't fight him. Can you? 
No, I, I really I can't. can't. I, I thought that I thought that about Dalvin Cook when he came into the league, and and I've 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 never moved off of that. Just the question is, can he stay healthy? And and I mean, again, one game. I'm not ready to jump to any conclusions about anything, especially the fact that Dalvin Cook can be healthy. I took him in my one fantasy league. I think. In the second round, and in my other one, I wanted to get him, and somebody jumped up and got him before that. I believe in Delvin Cook and his abilities when he's on a football field. Just the question is, can he stay on the football field? Yeah. I mean, he was just, yesterday was just this amazing glimpse into, because you've always kind of wondered, what do they have? And, and you see these little bursts for, oh, here's a month of Delvin Cook. He looks great. And you saw the 85-yard touchdown run in the preseason, and then yesterday, anytime there was a hole of any kind, it was like, boom, 8 yards, tw- 20 really, yards, 25 yards. I really, really like the zone blocking scheme for Dalvin Cook and for Alexander Madison. I think they both have that shiftiness to kind of move diagonally towards and through the line and just wait for that hole to open up and then have the explosion and the burst to just turn it upfield when they do see that hole open up and, and make some... I mean, Dalvin Cook made a couple of guys really pay for trying to tackle him yesterday just put his head down and went right through him and said okay if we're going if i'm going down we're both going down and we're both going to feel it and he can do that he can cut around guys he can catch the ball out of the backfield he can do a lot of things that you want a running back to do in the nfl it's just again can he stay on the field he can cut so well too he he runs like he's five foot eight or something like he runs like a shifty small guy and he's not yeah he's not but his his ability to cut and I can't explain it, but he did this against the Cardinals in the preseason on the long touchdown run. He finds, he not only finds um, holes and gaps at times, but he also can almost, it looks like, for lack of a better term, shrink himself to get through them. Because he's a pretty big guy. I mean, he's not a small guy. And he can basically turn himself in, into what, what looks like a piece of cardboard for a split second, get through that then, and then burst. It's really impressive. Yeah. But... I can't fight you one bit, and I do think that this offense now is going to be designed around a starting point of if this guy can play, he is the marquee. He is the marquee piece of this offense, yeah. which I'm fine with, and I think is very smart. and And it does come back to this, though, and this is why two things: if he can avoid it, don't initiate contact. Peterson did and didn't get get hurt for a long time doing it. But I would much prefer, if you're going to gain an extra three yards or, or step out, step out. The other thing that I couldn't figure out for the life of me in the fourth quarter Sunday was why was Dalvin Cook still playing? Gentlemen, if you're up by 21 or something like that, get him out of there. He doesn't need to play. He's got I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster was playing when they were down 33-3, to Judd. So yeah, but it why, wasn't the stupidest mistake in the NFL but wh- this week. Why, why does that happen? I don't know. You don't play guys all preseason, and we all applaud you, right? Basically now we're all like, yeah, you know what? Good call. And then to your point, Juju Smith-Schuster's playing in the fourth quarter against the Patriots and gets hurt. Mike Tomlin, that's idiotic. Delvin Cook should not be playing. You're way up. You're going to win the game. I don't care. Give the ball to me. Okay, since we're kind of on to nitpicks here, let's just let's just open up that, uh, that, keep people healthy, that box here. So. Uh, what were in an otherwise just complete, dominating, satisfying performance? If you're a Vikings fan, that was twenty eight nothing, and it was over. And then the Falcons scored a couple of garbage time touchdowns. Okay, so nitpick for Judd, you're nitpicking uh, Mike Zimmer's decision just to leave Dalvin Cook in the game. Playing. I would nitpick the penalties. Sure, it's like a, was it eleven penalties for a hundred yards? Correct. I don't think that's going to be. I don't think the Vikings are going to lead the NFL in penalties by any means, but. 
you know, how many games are you going to have 11 penalties for 100 yards and still be up 28 to nothing? They, they, That's pretty amazing. They jumped off sides three times to, to give the Falcons first downs. Yeah, in that game, does it? It's fine in that game, but if you're playing the Packers or something, and, and you give them three first downs, basically just gift them three first downs, it's going to come back to bite you in the butt. Yeah. Rami, what, what were your nitpicks yesterday? I don't know that I really had any any nitpicks in that game yesterday that we haven't already touched on. I was I was wondering why Dalvin Cook was playing late in that game, and as far as the penalties go, I mean, offsides is offsides. You never want to see that, but. Around the NFL yesterday, guys, there were a lot of flags, and I think part of that was, A, sloppy play because guys don't play in the preseason anymore, and, B, we we seem to see this year in and year out with the NFL where the first three or four weeks the referees are, are very eager to throw those flags and sort of set a tone for what they're going to allow and what they're not going to allow, and then as the season goes on, they tend to keep them in their pockets a little bit. So I wouldn't worry too much about the flags outside of the uh, the, the offsides penalties because then, again, those those are what they are, and that's going to be offsides in any game. But I think later in the year, we'll see we'll see fewer penalties from this. Right, here's game. another nitpick. This is a broadcast nitpick. All right, so Fox brings on Michael Vick as a full time <laughs> contributor, and he's been on different shows for Fox, and he's just like they're they're kind of in on Michael Vick. He's on their pre pregame show with Dave Wanstad and Carissa Thompson and Cowherd and the whole crew, right? And so they clearly it wasn't like oh man we we've got some. You know, time to kill here on this broadcast. Let's just like randomly get Michael Vick in. I think it was very pre-planned. Falcons, Vikings. It's been seventeen or eighteen years since Michael Vick in overtime ran fifty or sixty yards for a touchdown. Let's bring Mike Vick on, show the highlight from the Metronome, and get him to talk about it. Are you just mad because you have to see that highlight again? No, I'm mad oh, okay. because Michael Vick. Here's my nitpick. They asked him about the play, and he goes, I don't really remember anything about the play. <laughs> How can you not like, remember what? that play? That's one of the greatest plays of your life. It's like, what? <laughs> were, you, it, were you thinking I, about the dog fighting that you were going to be organizing later oh, in the night? Like, okay. come on. Wait, why are you like, why, but like, why are you on TV if you can't remember the best play of your career? Why you are you that? on TV? That's I said he was cocky about it. That. He was like, maybe it's because I've had so many great oh, runs. I don't so know, many guys. goes. I don't so know. many I great just, runs. Yeah. I did that all the time. That was just me. You my, know? My nitpick with that with that segment that you're talking about, Phil, is that it went on for almost too long. Yeah, I just kept asking him questions about it. I'm like, the guy opened up telling you he doesn't remember it. Let's just move on. I then. think I we think don't need to go planned. for four minutes. I think it was planned, and then they were like, "This game is terrible. We need something to do." Keep talking to Michael Vick. <laughs> but then, but then, like he, he clearly had just woken up from a halftime nap or something. Too. <laughs> <laughs> like he can barely keep his eyes. How open. bad was this? It was so. It How was could so you bad. not remember that play? <laughs> No. In all candidness, I'm dead serious. Right. How could you not remember that play? All right, we're gonna bring on uh, we're gonna bring on Bobby Thompson here from the yeah. New York Giants. Now, Bobby, let's talk about the shot heard around the world. <laughs> you know, uh, I hit so many home runs. Yeah. I just I don't remember that particular one. I see the highlights a lot, but yeah. I don't remember actually doing it. Like, did I did I miss the six Super Bowls that Michael Vick played in or something? <laughs> you know, Don Larson, that perfect game against the Brooklyn Dodgers. Put it into context for us. Well, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't really recall it. I don't even know. I don't even know. Not so, sure. And he's employed by them, too. That's the worst part. Like, I could see if you're being a jerk because you, they've asked you to, to uh, come on. Oh, by the way, nitpick, nothing to do with the game itself. Halftime Prince tribute. Can we stop? Like, Prince is great. Absolutely fantastic. Okay, so this is no one. halftime Prince tribute? They had a band come out and play Prince. And then, and here's the worst part, though. The halftime show, they they erect a stage, and then they have fans come on the field like the Super Bowl. Now, oh, I hate not that. as many. I hate so that. it wasn't as egregious. 
But can we just stop? I I feel I, I feel like this town has turned uh, to to Prince, like Vegas is to Elvis. Can we just hold up for a second see, now and appreciate Prince? I don't know. Stop. I don't know if it's because I'm, you know, still rel- compared to Judd, especially and and you, Mackie, relatively new to Minneapolis and and the state of Minnesota. But I was a big Prince fan before I got there, and I got and I love all the Prince love. Like when I'm walking around town and I see random Prince murals painted on walls or under underpasses, I think it's awesome. Maybe it's just maybe it's overkill for you guys by now. Maybe I'll get there eventually, but I I uh, I personally enjoy it whenever okay. I see a little shout out to Prince. I'm in on the murals. I'm in on. I do agree on that too. Like. First Ave. I'm with you on this. Absolutely. But here's, okay, here's again, like Judd and I are in lockstep today. It's a rare rare, Monday in football season where (laughs) Judd and I are in lockstep. This is very frightening, Ronnie. So how many times times in the 10 years leading up to Prince's death did we have Prince tribute nights at stadiums and arenas? Like, did you ever have, like, Wolves You don't do tributes for living people. Okay. You do tributes for dead people. Three years after, like, three and a half years, and we're still doing, like, the Prince-themed jersey nights at ballparks. I don't know. Yeah, I want that it feels jersey. Excessive. I've said this before on the air. If anybody at the Twins are listening, I didn't get a chance to make it out to Target <laughs> It's in my house, Rami. I've still but got I it. Ex- I have an extra large. If, uh, I've still got one. Judd, Judd and I are like, I please stop exploiting a dead legend. Yes. Rami's like, I'll take an extra large. <laughs> <laughs> it's Elvis-like, though. Like, you got all Wasn't these people coming too? out. Can I get a hat? <laughs> no, there was no hat, Rami. It was just a jersey. Was there a feather boa? Feather boa. But can we just have halftime? Like, can Was we just bring out... an inflatable out- guitar giveaway? Can I get an inflatable guitar? Oh. <laughs> All I want is to stop. I just want normal halftime. This is not the Super Bowl. Get the people off the field. Oh, Amazing, man. I almost passed out. I got so mad. Man. All right. All right. We're going to... Plenty more football NFL talk. It's uh, Victory Monday here on Score North. We will get to Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights at the top of the next hour, and that's where we can dive into Antonio Brown and other things from <laughs> Oh, please. Can we please? <laughs> but when we come back here, Rami's been the driver of the Bomba bus, and we need to ask, are like all four tires flat? Like, what? what's the current status of the <laughs> oh Bomba bus? We need to stop doing this. When we come back, we'll, <laughs> all right. we'll, uh, we'll take the Bomba bus into the shop here. They should take it to Luther Brookdale Toyota is what they should do. But let's talk about Federated. In fact, you might need, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're, uh, owning the Bomba bus right now, you might need some insurance on that thing. The, uh, the folks at Federated can probably help you. I don't know. Go to federatedinsurance.com where you can find a full list of all of the different areas and fields that Federated will protect. I don't know if Bomba buses are on that list. But I guess you could find out for yourself. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here for you business owners out there. I have experience as a business owner myself, and so I can empathize with not only the the negatives but the positives. There's just ups and downs. You love it one day, you're grinding the next. It really helps to have an insurance company that has your back and gives you peace of mind as you navigate these challenges. You get more than just a policy with Federated. You get a face-to-face relationship. And you get over a hundred years experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. I've had a chance to meet a lot of decision makers and people over at Federated, and they take a major, major pride factor in uh, seeing your business through the success finish line. Go to federatedinsurance.com to find your Federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. 441 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. A couple things here. It's been 10 years since we all went 
on a bit of a ride with Brett Favre. We're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Viking season. You can join Sage Rose, Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolget, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition. On demand anywhere you find your favorite podcasts or just go to sportnorth.com and click on shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. And after yesterday's 28-12 win, which started off with this. In motion, goes right to left. Cousins under center here on second and a dozen. Straight drop. Falcons trying to get there. Cousins cuts it loose. The catch and the score into the end zone goes Adam Thielen for Minnesota. Crossing route from right to left. And Thielen, who had nine scores a year ago, into the end zone on the second snap of the year for the Vikings. After that play by Kirk Cousins started off the scoring for Minnesota on their way to the 28-12 win. You feel like we're on our way to another magical ride in the 2019 season? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Joe with Rami. Lindor crunches one to deep left field. Goodbye! That one made it to the second deck, and that is home run number 29 for Frankie Lindor. Uh, Chad has tweeted into the show the state of the Bomba bus, and it looks like it's uh, some sort of a family on a rickety uh, flatbed, and a, a wheel, maybe multiple wheels are coming off of it. So, Rami, you're the driver of the Bomba bus. Everyone's yeah, injured. Calm down. Everyone's injured. No, no. Did you see what happened this weekend? Yeah, by, I by saw. the way, my panic is there. I mean, the division's still over. I still stand by yes, what I said Friday. Exactly, it's but, over. They're going to win the AL Central. Correct. I think. Yeah. Where my sadness comes in here is yes. This was supposed to be something that gave you hope through the end of October. And the more you start to take away Michael Pineda, we can get into that because of a PED suspension. And Byron Buxton sounds like he's going to be uh, having shoulder surgery. Like the more you start taking away the key pieces that would help you potentially beat a Yankees team or an Astros team, <laughs> that's where I'm at with this, Ronnie. Chad's bomba bus, by the way, is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rami, go ahead. I just saw no, it. No, it's quite, it's quite all right. I was laughing at it as well during the break. Oh. I, look, when I said cut the brakes, all I was saying is let go of your reservations, your inhibitions, any hesitation you have to say this is a very good Twins baseball team. This team can and will win the AL Central. Enjoy it. Have fun. Don't wait for the other shoe to drop. Now, that being said... All I promised you on this ride on the Bumba Bus was that it was getting to October. I told you the wheels could fall off in October. Now, I thought, you know, the wheels would fall off in the form of just losing a playoff series straight up. I didn't know that it was going to be a 60-game PED suspension and injuries galore. But this thing is still getting to October, and we can still enjoy it and have fun and see some playoff baseball. It's going to be tough to go deep, especially without Buxton and without Pineda. Although, guys, it was too much. Months ago, that Pineda was somewhat of a punchline around these parts, and all of a sudden they need him to win a World Series. Yeah, if Jose Barrios, if, yeah. if Jose Barrios, Barrios was gets, awesome two months ago, yeah. But if Jose Barrios gets back to form, you don't miss Michael Pineda as much, and and you can sort of plug that hole in the postseason. Byron Buxton is irreplaceable. There is no replacing that guy and what he potentially could have done for you in the postseason. But Pineda, that doesn't that doesn't crush my soul by any means. It doesn't, but it's just so stupid and dumb, right? I mean, come on, yes. man. Yes. Come Agreed. on. You you can't call the twins and say, I'm about to take something, some pills, and I'm not quite sure. But you know what? I've got a weight problem, and I'd like to lose some. I mean, if, if we believe him completely, 
it's still inexcusable that you wouldn't have called the twins and been like, I will read you the ingredients and you tell me. And then you get to whatever the key ingredient that's considered a masking agent is, right? And the twins say, oh, no, Michael, don't take that. That's a bad idea. And Michael says, thank you very much and doesn't take it. That's the frustration. It's just so dumb and it's so irresponsible. And now you're out for 60 games and you basically could be done here. That's what gets me about this whole thing. Why is it always, too, it's like, it's it's... It's always like, oh, my cousin gave me some pills. Or like, oh, I had a buddy in the Dominican Republic. Like, no. Like, is it a twins trainer that gave you the pills or gave you the uh, supplements or whatever it is? There should almost be a flow chart for the Michael Pinedas. Just these guys who... How <laughs> the flow not, chart work? Guys, you can literally, if it's not a supplement given you given to you by a team, they have a a procedure to go through where you can submit any supplement to the Players Association, and it goes not just through a screening process of we're going to read what's on the package and tell you if that's on the banned substances list. They will actually test it chemically and make sure that what they're saying on the package is in the product is actually what's in the product and tell you if there's anything in there, whether it's listed or not, that could get you a suspension. There is no excuse for for failing. A, at least that is not a valid excuse for failing a PED test to say, I didn't know that that was on the banned substance list. That That's just negligence. That's You might not be a cheater, but... You're not very smart either. <laughs> okay, so Rami, here's the flow chart, okay? I'm just I'm drying All this right. up as we speak, okay? Got it. Okay, so so you get a supplement, okay? You are Michael Pineda, you are a pitcher, you are a major league baseball player, you have a supplement. Okay? So, uh point number 1 here on the flow chart is did a Twins trainer give you the supplement? And if the answer is yes, then uh you're good. Yeah! Then go ahead and take that. You're good. Yep. You should be good. And okay. if not, then that guy's fired. It's not your fault anymore. Like <laughs> that guy's fired, okay. right? Okay. So uh, let's go back to the top of the flow chart. Okay. You are Michael Pineda, and you've received a supplement. Is the supplement something a Twins trainer gave you? And the answer is no. Okay. Well, um, the next point in the flow chart is: Did the person who gave it to you get certified as a major league trainer with another baseball team? And if the answer is no, don't take the supplement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, let's keep going down that path. Is it a twins trainer? No. Okay. Is it your third cousin? Um, don't take the supplement. Is it a friend of your buddy Vinny's? Don't take the supplement. But he seems like a good guy. Did you get I party it? with him all the time. Did someone pass you the supplement in an envelope under the table at a shady restaurant? Don't take it, okay? <laughs> Unless it was a twins trainer. <laughs> in which case, you're safe. So it's mad. This isn't hard. Well, and- Is it off Melky Cabrera's website? <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part about this whole thing is the twins themselves, I guess, found out on Friday because because while the guy's appealing, the team does not find out. Yeah, so he he knew about this for weeks because the process, yes. like he knew it got, about because it, it's already been appealed. And it's everything. very it's extremely rare, if not unprecedented, to get that suspension taken down from eighty to sixty games. So this has been ongoing for quite some time. But it sounds like the twins. Found out on Friday. Pineda started, and yeah. then Pineda was done. So where I have this is where I have a really hard time. Michael Pineda, through a statement through the Major League Baseball Players Association, has said, and some of this is validated because uh, he did get the suspension reduced from eighty games to sixty games, meaning that there was some evidence. Whatever he presented, there was some evidence that showed, hey, this actually was a weight loss diuretic. It wasn't used as a masking agent. And if you're just new to the story. 
Um, it's kind of like the Pat and Kevin Williams Star Caps case from 10 plus years ago. Very similar. Where they got flagged for an illegal substance. Their excuse was, well, wait a second. This was for weight control. We have to wait. We have to meet certain weight requirements in training camp to hit our bonuses and stuff. And this is just to manage our weight. The NFL's argument is, well, that supplement is on the list because you can use it as a masking agent for things that are illegal, et cetera. So there's back and forth. But Michael Pineda loses the benefit of the doubt because his track record is as a careless corner cutter. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this dude stood on a mound in a Yankees uniform with like a half pound glob of pine tar on his neck. It was like the entire yeah, like the entire right side of his neck right. was just covered in pine tar. So he's willing to cut cor- now and now a lot of pitchers put a little pine tar under the cap, on the belt. Yeah, he like, didn't bother with that. Uh, or the bullfrog sunscreen and rosin on the forearm. And so it's definitely like well, I mean, but, Craig Kimbrell is pretty blatant about it, too. The The bill of his cap looks like it was run through the gutter. Right. That thing is black. But, like, even with a certain level of acceptance when it comes to cutting corners, Michael Pineda, that wasn't enough for him. No, nope, we can't just go with the standard level of acceptance when it comes to pine tar. I'm going to put a half bottle of it on my neck and stand out there. So I can't tell. Like, he's either, he's probably a combination of all these things. He's a corner cutter. He's careless. And I don't know, maybe he's just not that bright. Like, what are you doing? So I, but, but we're, like, I Probably don't know. Probably all of the above. I don't know if I fully buy his excuse is what I'm oh, saying I here. Have no and idea. even if his excuse is correct, it's super careless. And I'd be pissed if I was in that clubhouse. And if I'm the Same. twin, and if I'm yep. the twins, I'm really pissed about this. Yeah. I signed you to a two year contract. Uh, paid you for a year to paid rehab. you two mil to do nothing. Paid you ten mil, and you know what? It worked out pretty doggone well. And then I find out that you've been also basically probably got suspended in July and, and appealed. And now I find out, and now I find out, yeah. which which I get is the technicality. But I would be po'd, and and now we've got okay. So we've got Pineda, we've got Buxton uh, uh, probably going uh, undergoing surgery in California. We've got Kepler, who I think the MRI on his problem came back negative, which is actually a good thing, but clearly he's hurt. Marvin Gonzalez is still out. You got who? Ryan Lamar back yesterday in some godforsaken minor league trade because you're desperate for guys. Sano's now got a back problem, so he couldn't pinch hit on Sunday. It's been a lot of fun. Well, that's uh They're winning this division, though. Oh, I agree with you because they're gonna because they're basically going to play a combination of the three of us after the uh, Cleveland series this weekend, right? Because I think they then default. I think you're selling us short, Judd. I think you're selling us short. Are we better than Kansas City, Detroit, or the White Sox? All put all three of those teams together. (laughs) Like Detroit, Detroit. I know that we could beat Detroit. If the the three three of us, yes. If the three of us put together a score North baseball team. Detroit already has a hundred losses. <laughs> oh, Detroit is. Know that. Detroit There's is like three weeks left in the season, and they've already lost a right. hundred games. Question: That's that is amazing. What is the worst of the four major pro sports that we follow on a regular basis? But basically, three. What is the worst franchise right now? Is it the Orioles, the Tigers, the Dolphins? Is there an NBA team Ooh. as godforsaken See, as those I teams? I don't put the Orioles in that. In that category, because they want to be bad. And the Dolphins they, do too, though, Rami. Yeah, but they don't seem as dysfunctional as the Dolphins. Like the Dolphins want <laughs> I mean, to the, be bad and are somehow dysfunctional doing it. Like it, it doesn't seem like everybody in that organization, especially a lot of the players, really agreed to that or knew what they were getting themselves into. With the Orioles, everybody knows what they're in for. Wait, do the do the Tigers have a chance? 
They have a chance to set the major league record for losses, right? What's the major league record for losses these Didn't days? They, what was the Mets team? The, Met, the 62 Mets? That went like 45 or 46 wins or something the like expansion, that? Or was, it, or was it 40? The expansion Mets? Well, they're they're like right in that mix. But I'm asking you guys, who is the worst? So, so what's the worst franchise in pro sports right now? Um, Tigers? The Dolphins are... Dolphins are in working that on. mix, man. The Dolphins are in that mix. The Dolphin and, and it's you could make a case for some of these franchises, you know that. And I'm not. I mean, the Dave Dombrowski was the architect for those really good Tigers teams, and that he just got fired from Boston. So, uh, but you you could make a case that like the Tigers recently were a model franchise in Major League Baseball for a five or six year period. Now that was five or six years ago, and their GM is no longer the GM. Uh, so they, they're definitely they're definitely lost right now. But the Dolphins haven't been relevant or highly regarded in like 25 or 30 years, right? Maybe the end of the Don Shula era, but even the end of the Don Shula era, like that was not the, the same Johnson, Don Shula. Was they, those weren't good teams, no. but were the Jimmy Johnson teams okay? I mean, they want to call I don't games, recall, though. No, I was. But the Dolphins haven't been an, an actual AFC title contender in since I was like seven years old, since like the early 1990s. Okay. So I might have to go Dolphins on this one. The Tigers are a close second. Dolphins gave up, what, 52 points to Baltimore yesterday? Let's not leave the Raiders out of this, guys. As far as function goes, that's a, that's a, well, they're probably not as bad, yeah. but just function wise, that's a solid yeah. one, Ronnie. Yeah. They are taking, the, they're taking the trophy home when it comes to bad, dysfunctional organizations. Okay. What was, because, <laughs> and we'll talk about some of this shortly here with Tom Pelissero, but Rami, you sent an anecdote. We were texting earlier. Yeah. That, so Dan Levitard this morning, had the video producer of Antonio Brown on their show, and they were that asking him a lot of money. By the way, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's doing pretty well. I hope he himself. got well compensated for that. And he said John Gruden signed off on <laughs> all of all of the stuff. If you guys haven't seen the video, so Antonio Brown posted a video on YouTube with audio clipped from his phone conversation with John Gruden about Dude, the drama. really well done video, too. It was. Like the, production va- the production yeah. value yes. on that thing yes. was strong. But John Gruden John Gruden basically told the producer and Antonio Brown before it was released, this is great stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> because a bunch of armchair stuff, lawyers were sitting back going, you know, in California, if you don't have consent to record somebody's conversation, that is, that's a federal offense. And, and they were like, yeah, we, we got permission. John Gruden was cool with all of this, which for me begs the question, guys, <laughs> they went from suspending him on Thursday to not suspending him on Friday and him apologizing to the entire team and John Gruden making it sound like everything was good mm-hmm. to that video being released and him being released by the team uh, by by Saturday. If John Gruden was okay with the video being put out that was put out and his, his conversation being recorded, what exactly was the thing that pushed them over? Yeah. What 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 made them go? We have to cut ties with this guy. If John Gruden was good with the video and he had already apparently mended those fences and got him back in the fold and said he was going to play on Monday, if it wasn't the video, what did it? Is there still something we haven't well, found the fi- out about the fines, right? Doors? I I thought that they said after the whole thing on Thursday, I thought that the organization said the fines are going to stand, blah blah blah, and Brown said, "Then I'm done." Yeah, well, my, that's so Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock. Well, congratulations. Mike Mayock's ego. Mike Mayo blinked. Really, Mike Mayo blinked. So, so how, but how does Mayock not get fired? 
How, yeah. Like, this, how do you this, keep your job here? This would indicate that Mike Mayock has some actual real power and say in that organization. Because all yes. this time, I thought he was, I thought he was just John Gruden's sidekick in, in this, in this sitcom called yeah. the, the Oakland Raiders. I, I didn't know that he was a real GM with real power who could cut guys. Basically, I mean, it seems like against John Gruden's wishes. John Gruden seems to have said all along, unless he was just playing good cop or yeah, good cop to to Mike Mayock's bad cop, made it seem all along like he was good with what Antonio Brown was doing and calling him one of the most under un, misunderstood players to ever play in the NFL and saying he loves him and his work ethic and this and that. And then he's cut the day after yeah. that video. It. None of it makes sense, but we shouldn't be surprised because it's the Raiders. Now, okay, Antonio Brown has acted like a complete clown. He's high maintenance, and he's a pain in the ass. So I don't want to completely exonerate him. But ESPN has announced a 30 for 30 that comes out this week about Dennis Rodman. And Judd and I have talked about this anecdote before. One of my favorite sports books is 11 Rings by Phil Jackson. And Phil Jackson does a full like 50 or 100-page chapter. It's a, it's a It's a thick book, but it's worth the read about the Dennis Rodman Chicago Bulls era. And when they were on the verge of bringing in Dennis Rodman, he sat the entire team down and said, you guys, this guy is a different cat, and he's going to have different rules than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. There's going to be times when we have to treat him in a different way than the rest of the team. I want to make sure everyone's okay with that before we bring him in. If everyone's okay with that, there's going to be a bit of a double standard here, but he's awesome and he's going to help us win championships. And the team was like, all right, Cool. Like sometimes Dennis would throw a tantrum and have to leave practice and go home. And then he'd like come back a couple days later or he'd like go to Vegas and like disappear and miss a game. But they won three championships. The Oakland Raiders, probably not equipped to be able no, to. No, that's what I don't get. To do that. Yeah. Why don't you know? Why don't you know that? Like, why can't you be like, you know what? We can't handle this guy. Self-awareness is a very difficult concept. I think the Oakland Raiders have lacked that for a long time. They really thought Pittsburgh couldn't do it, but we're going to bring this guy in, and we're going to get him in line. He's he's going to fall right in line with the rest of the Oakland Raiders and the way that we do things, and there will be no outbursts or any odd behavior from from Antonio Brown here, and if there is, we'll, we'll fix him. We'll get him straight. And that was the <laughs> stupidest, stupidest thought you could have had going and getting Antonio Brown. If you had anything in mind but what Phil just laid out in terms of how Phil Jackson handled Dennis Rodman and like Bill Belichick would handle Randy Moss and now will handle Antonio Brown. If you had anything but that in mind, you had what you were Uh-oh. getting. Uh, the, the, what Mark were Murphy's getting. back. The, the, Raiders, the Raiders got you. The Gremlins oh, have gotten Rami again. Did I drop out? You're back now. Did, you're good. Okay. What? I'm sorry. Can't hear a thing. They, they had no idea what they were capable of or what Antonio Brown was going to come in and do is basically my point. <laughs> oh. So Rami is hanging out in Milwaukee where the Green Bay Gremlins have cut out his uh, his line. The Raiders just got to him. Yeah, yeah. Mark Davis Mark got Davis. to him. Yep. They're not smart enough or functional enough. To <laughs> oh, you're going to cut out again. <laughs> We're going to come back. Tom Pelissero's NFL insights, including thoughts on a Vikings win over the Falcons in week one. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North, Judd Zilgad. And first, I want to talk to you about my friends at Serta Pro Painters. You know, fall is coming, and guess what, folks? That means in this state, you're about to be stuck inside your house for a while now, and guess what? I'm going to guarantee you this. Go home and look around tonight. You have rooms or rooms multiple that need painting. They need to look better. So who's going to do that? That's the question. Folks at Serta Pro Painters, that's who. I'm absolutely thrilled by the job they did at my house making our guest room and bath look like new. Two words come to mind when addressing uh, the work of Serta Pro Painters, uh, the professional and thorough. Now it's your turn to contact Serta Pro Painters and feel the same satisfaction that I did. As I just said, fall is a great time to check painting off your to-do list and fall back in love with your home. 
Love your indoors again by giving your home a fresh and cozy look this fall with a new coat of paint. It helps that each Surter Pro Painter's business independently owned and operated, so it's right here in our community. Schedule your free estimate online at SurterPro.com or by calling 800-GO-SURTA. Find out for yourself the type of quality you get from Surter Pro Painters. Again, get your free estimate online at SurterPro.com or by calling 800-GO-SURTA. That's Surter with a C. Surter Pro Painters. We do painting. You do life.